Hey everyone. Hello. Before we get started this week, we want to give a listener shout out, a yeah, dragon yeah. baby shout out. Whether you identify as a dragon baby or not, we're classifying <laughs> you as one. Um, to iTunes user Joe Muse, who left us an awesome review that made us feel really good and uh, kind of solidified that some of the goals we're hoping to achieve with this podcast are they're happening. Things are happening. Yay. Liz Lemon style. Um, if you would like to leave a review and get a baby shout out, please find us on Apple Podcasts. All you got to do is search Dragon Babies and you can leave a review right there. Um, it really helps us out and we'd love to hear your thoughts. If you have a tattered old paperback from a fantasy book that you loved as a kid and that you'd like to discuss with someone, mm-hmm. let us know. We'll we'll potentially do an episode on it. Yeah, so. as, a, as a frequent reader of... TV recaps uh, I understand that just need to even go in depth about even a small piece of media so something that was important to you from your childhood totally makes sense why you'd want to talk about it more that's why we do this thank you so much for listening you guys we really appreciate it and we love hearing from you it makes our days have a great day and here's the episode Welcome to Dragon Babies. Welcome. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. Have you forgotten the intro we do every episode? (laughs) I'm just, you know, giving it suspense, that wait. And this week, we're discussing The Storyteller's Daughter by Cameron Doki. Dun, 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 dun. So this book is one that probably not a lot of people are familiar with. Um, I think after a few weeks of doing like hard hitting uh, YA childhood Classic. fantasy classics, <laughs> um, like your Ursula Gay Le Guin's, your Brian Jacks, whose name I know how to pronounce correctly now. Um, just uh, yeah, we're but we've Black been going through was the, before that, yeah, too. Lloyd Alexander, yeah. going through like the pantheon of the absolute greats, and now we're doing something in a different vein. Um, this book is from a series that I believe is called Once Upon a Time that came out in the early aughts um, when I was 14, Mental was 11. Um, it is a series of retellings of very popular fairy tales and folk tales. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, you know, there's one about Snow White, there's one about from Beauty and the Beast. There's one about Sleeping Beauty. Um, And I had quite a few of them. Uh, The Storyteller's Daughter is a little different than the others, I would say, because it's taking on like a larger group of works um, because it is based on 1001 Nights. Similar to other books that we've taken on, um, it draws its works it's inspiration for its work from just really deep folklore roots, like mm-hmm. very basic um, stories that have run through these cultures for thousands of years. Yeah, I would say um, of our other books that we've covered, The Folk Keeper is probably the one that this reminded me of the most, um, just because there is a very uh, deep-rooted history. Well, you said that, um, I remember when we talked about The Black Cauldron, you said that mm-hmm. Lloyd Alexander used also very deep Welsh yeah. mythology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you're just saying that that also draws on mythology. <laughs> yes. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, no, it's okay. This, this book came out in... <laughs> 
This book came out in 2002. Um, and I uh, really liked the Once Upon a Time series. Yeah, they were awesome. Age, um, because they kind of... It's a little bit of a fractured up. fairy tale. Exactly. But then they're, speci- they're very specifically YA. Like yeah. They were definitely for girls our age. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so there's like extra romance thrown in. And like the stories are just like a little bit more edgy than mm-hmm. they are in their classic fairy tale forms. Yeah. Um, and so they're, they're usually told through a sort of first person framing. Yes. This one's really interesting because... I it's the only it's the only one in this series that takes on any kind of stories from the Middle East. Mm. Um and I think for like a lot of little white kids like us, it's really good to have this kind of exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously like we all saw Aladdin, which is one of the stories from A Thousand and One mm-hmm. Nights. Yeah. Um and people know about Sinbad. Um mm-hmm. but then beyond that I think, uh, I don't know, we, we discovered just talking to our loved ones that a lot of them didn't know that there is a framing device within 1001 Nights that is Shahrazad mm-hmm. telling the stories to her husband. Right, yeah. So before we get into that, should we go ahead and do our cover rundown and uh, uh, marketing analysis for the book? Yes. <laughs> so uh, this book is called The Storyteller's Daughter. How do Wait, no, we have to talk about the cover first. Yeah, that's what we always do. Grace cut me off. I was about to just I'm in run judge. into it. <laughs> um, all of the Once Upon a Time books that we, that, when they came out in 2002, mm-hmm. um, they have a, a torso on the front of each one that corresponds with the girl or woman who is depicted in that story. And most of them, too, they have, it's the exact same part of their body, same style, and then there's like a little bit of hair on their collarbone from their hair. Which actually brings me to my problem with this cover. It's very confusing. Did you notice what the issue is? Yeah, because her hair is white blonde. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) they even, not only she's Arab, she's Middle Eastern. Obviously she has, she doesn't have white blonde hair. But but then they say, they talk about her black hair time and time again. they explicitly talk about how she has black hair in it. So I'm just confused it's, about that. It's a fail. I chose sure. to believe that it's some sort of tassel. Yeah, like gossamer. That's yeah, like maybe shoulder, coming off like, her veil or something. <laughs> I don't. Do yeah, that? it's very it confusing. Um, so, yeah, frustrating <laughs> for sure. I also don't know how I feel about all the covers basically just featuring like young breasts on them. Well, yeah, and like um, the sexual part of right. a human. It's that, it's the old like beheaded women thing. Yeah, um, yeah, I was where thinking you of want that. to look at like people want to just be able to gaze upon the body and mm-hmm. not have to deal with yeah. them actually looking back at you and having their own agenda or agency. Her breasts are also very like outlined. Yeah, there she's wearing this pearl Her dresses. Yeah, and I don't know enough uh, that is to say anything about what uh, the fashion would have been of a young woman in the mm-hmm. era that this is supposed to evoke in the Middle East, but in like the 13th century. Yeah, but this yeah. does seem off to me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now we've now we've. Thoroughly complained our way yeah. through that. So let's, <laughs> let's read the back of the book. Okay. I promise we're not going to be this negative the whole time, guys. No, because I really like this book. But okay. 
How do all great stories begin with Once Upon a Time? Once That's upon the name of the series. <laughs> Once Upon a Time. There lived a king whose heart was heavy. He had been betrayed by the woman he loved. Though the queen's schemes were discovered before she could deprive her husband of his life, her dying curse killed something deep within him, his ability to love and trust. And so he makes a terrible resolution. He will take a bride for one night only. In the morning, she will face a horrible fate. Then he will choose another. Being very vague about that. Nothing can change his course until one brave woman steps forward. Shahrazad, the storyteller's daughter. Steeped in the ancient art of her mother's people, Shahrazad embarks upon a perilous course. With words alone, she will seek to restore the king's heart. As she tells her tales, a bond forms between them that neither can deny. But will it be strong enough to hold them together when unexpected danger erupts? I also, thank you, excellent reading. I also want to point out that, bafflingly, there is a review of a different book by Cameron Doki. I was Doki very confused about <laughs> that. Underneath. So. On the book, Hindenburg 1937, which sounds <laughs> <laughs> like explicitly like, Probably different. not a lot of shared themes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so anyway, we're we're confused by this um, paperback, this mass market paperback. Everything on the cover of this book is very confusing considering what is in the book. No, exactly. Yeah, Madeline's making a point now to isolate the chunk yeah. of pages and like curve the... Oh, there we go, there we go, there we go. It's really just like page rubbing sounds. Yeah, I know. Page turning sound. I guess they do use the words king and queen in this book. Mm-hmm. They do. I have read other... Um, retellings for um a fantasy audience that based on 1001 nights yes that are much more um i think this is probably a it's a good like halfway point for for white kids who are not Mm -hmm. familiar with this mythology because it's very gentle it's um you know, there are some explicitly Middle Eastern cultural things about it, but there's it, it's also very, like, um, framed in kind of a, a European way. Yeah, it's westernized. Yeah, westernized. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Versus, uh, like, they say God instead of Allah. I know. For uh, one, which is constant, kind of really jarring. It's bizarre and, to have that, yeah, yeah. Up all of a sudden. Um, but, and they say king and queen instead of uh, a more... Typical Middle Shah Eastern framing. And, yeah. Yeah, I think you say Shah, or I've seen Sultan mm-hmm. too instead. Um, but anyways, aside from that, um, I mean it's an it's an okay back as far as the it doesn't like spoil a ton. I don't know. Maybe because I know the myth so well that I'm like, oh okay. Right, yeah, that's, that's the that's, larger question when yeah. you're adapting a well known and super old story right how much do you give away yeah i actually so i know that we know this we've actually done a lot of yeah i need to do the plot yeah this is a good segue Um, into that i will just a sec uh but first um we've done quite a few retellings of classic fairy tales Mm -hmm. um those i i knew at at that age and i looking back on these patterns, it's even clear to me now that like I was really into those um, for reasons that we've discussed. Check mm-hmm. out our, check out our Ella Enchanted and Zell episodes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, if yeah. you're interested in hearing more about that, I won't reiterate it all now. Um, but it's always, it's always interesting to see different authors takes on um, 
stories that are basically a part of our cultural fabric. Like there's no time in all our lives that we didn't know these stories. They've been yeah with us from childhood. Let's quickly spoil the plot. If you've heard of One Thousand and One Nights Wait, before, wait. Okay, really quick. Yeah. If you if you open the cover, no, we're we're not done. Um, <laughs> just totally abusing this poor. No, because bag. this is the transitioning from the cover to the mm-hmm. book. The little excerpt of the book on the first page within it says a young woman of 17 years straight and slim my hair and eyes are as black as the ebony wood chest that was the only possession my mother brought with her when she married my father you're you're absolutely right okay guys (laughs) all you had to do was read literally the first page of the book yep um and what really bothers me more is that it feels like straight. They're, they're trying to, uh, you know, Caucasianify her, yeah, um, and make it more appealing, which is not to like the it's, it's not necessary to to have mm. baby steps. You can just dive all the way in, you know. Because Kamardoki does a good job with not um, painting the characters and the situations within this book as you know, exotic and like othering them in that right, gross yeah. way. Like so many stories about Middle Eastern characters that are written by, I think especially American authors mm-hmm. tend to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, so disappointing, that's all. Spoil the plot. There are 1,001 stories in 1,001 Nights, um, at least in the, the full comprehensive versions. Um, did you, did we do the research on... Did Grace do the Did research? Did we do the research? Did we? Yep. Is it time for Grace's education corner? Uh, well, okay. Before I won't, the plot, I won't interrupt. Continue. Yeah, this episode is Continue. all over the place. Yeah. I'm kind of into it, though. Woo, woo. Um, Freeform. There is a young woman named Shahrazad. She is the daughter of the vizier to the king of a kingdom. Never really go into any details about where this kingdom might be. It's in the desert. It's in a desert. That's really all we know. Um, she well, actually, I feel like they do explicitly say India. Do they? Like what would have been because Cameron Doki drew from, um, she mentions in the little <coughs> afterward at the end of the book that she drew from Indian traditions to come up with the character of Maju, the, um, like storyteller enchantress basically. Then Shahrayar divided the kingdom, keeping for himself the vast lands of India and Indochina. Mm, But to his brother, he gave the city of Samarkand, the trade routes and the lands thereof. Shahrazad is, she comes forward to pledge herself in marriage to the king of the kingdom in which she lives. Because he has been betrayed by his first wife and he decides that all women are inherently evil. (laughs) More on that later. (laughs) Um, And... If they are married to him, they will want to overthrow him and, like, bring their lovers to the throne and, yeah, take over the kingdom. So he decides that he will take a bride. In this book, it's it's once a month. Um, in the, the actual story, it's it's every night. So Every night. Awesome. So they run out of ladies a lot faster exactly. <laughs> yeah, the traditional. Um, and and, then, and they actually kill ladies in right. the traditional yeah. one. And this one, he doesn't get to that. Right, yeah, this... Uh, yeah, we can talk more about differences in a bit. Uh-huh. Um, but he will take them to be his bride for one night, and then the next morning they'll be put to death so that they can't possibly do anything to harm him. 
Um, in this book, he is literally cursed by his first wife who betrays him and his heart turns to stone. Mm-hmm. And Shahrazad is a, an all-seeing genius. And, and the daughter of his vizier, I think you said. Yeah, I already said mm-hmm. that. <laughs> well. Putting my hands back in my pockets. <laughs> Um, or in my single pocket. Grace has more accurately. great posture going on right now. <laughs> Just like a little sulky baby over here. Um, and so Shahrazad realizes that his heart has been turned to stone. He's been cursed. And she's like, you know what? I'm the storyteller's daughter. My I have a destiny. is the, the greatest of her people. And it is foretold that her offspring will be the most powerful storyteller that has ever existed and will right a great wrong. So I think it's me. I think it's time. I think I got to do this. And she marries him and on the first night begins telling him a story. And each morning when the cock crows, she leaves the story on a cliffhanger. So he can't possibly kill her because he wants to hear what happens next. And over the course of the book, they fall into a deeply unsettling love with one another. Um, ultimately, another... the men from another kingdom, the brothers of his first wife, who he had kill herself because she betrayed him. Yeah, there's there's so much. There's a, There are a lot of murders and suicides. In it's a, it's an old-time fairy tale. Like, yeah. it's messed up. Yeah, it's <laughs> true to form. Um, the Queen's brothers come to overthrow uh, Shahriar's kingdom. Um, I haven't even said his name yet. God, I'm not doing a great job. Uh, to the king, Shahriar, they come and overthrow his kingdom, throw him in a prison, put Shahrazad in the highest tower, um, and do a whole lot of horrible human rights violations to the people of the kingdom. But in the end, Shahrazad is given the chance to save the day. She recognizes her husband, even though she's blind and she doesn't touch or talk to anyone, but she sees his heart because she knows men's hearts. She has truly powers. Yeah. Um, she sees him. She knows she him. Very powerful. And so it's a good all, thing, world, that she's a good person. Then at the end, they all rise up, overthrow the baddies, kick him out. Everyone lives happily ever after. Shahrazad and Shariar have tons of awesome kids and daughters and sons. Daughters and sons, and they live happily ever after. So let's start with our little. You know, preteen perceptions of this book, our memories. Um, would you like to begin? Yes. So I actually had a heap of induction into this really, really ancient story. Um, I think the very first iteration I read of it, my mom had this very old book of fairy tales. Do you remember mm-hmm. it, Grace? It was red yeah. and I, it's perfectly in my mind. Yeah, yeah. The, the tome itself already seemed like that physical. It looked mystical. Yeah, because like that, it had been rescued from a treasure dungeon. It looked treasure dungeon. old. No, yeah. seriously. And it was huge. Mm-hmm. It was like, and it especially gold, to tiny child hands. It had the gold edged pages. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It was so thick and the type was tiny. Like, it was a book from, I don't know. I always assumed that it was from, like, the early 1900s. I don't know how actually old it was. And some pages had these really gorgeous color illustrations, yeah. but they mm-hmm. were just tucked here and there throughout the book. So and as some of them were brutal. It, yeah. Because the stories in it included many of the original, uh, you know, obviously retellings of the original stories that were included in A Thousand One Nights. Mm-hmm. And they pulled no punches. 
Like they told the original brutal, grim stories, um, including one of them was the story of Shahrazad. Me and Grayson and our little brother Patrick would all get in mom's big bed. She loved this and we did too. And she would read stories to us um, and she would read to us from that book. Uh, and then when I was really young, I started just reading it myself. Um, and so that was my first introduction to this like mythology and these stories. Um, I have read other young adult uh, versions of this story too. This is one of my favorites. Um, and then uh, framing this in an, in, in an appropriate way, I had a, a manga version of this story that was gender swapped. So Shahrazad was a man. Nice. Grace, what was your? Um, I mean, my uh, connection to this once upon a time specifically, uh, I mean, it's not as like grand and sweeping as yours was. That was a nice <laughs> story. Um, but I actually had tried to read A Thousand and One Nights when I was younger before. Um, and obviously this is not One Thousand and One Nights. It mm -hmm. just. Uh, but you actually tried to read like a yeah. translated version of it. Yeah. I. Um, had like an old copy that I got from uh, like a library sale or something. Mm, okay. And when I was young, I used to try to basically set reading challenges for myself, which was like, here's this super long, pretty boring, really difficult book. Yeah. And like, I'm nine and it's the <laughs> summertime and I have no <laughs> friends. So I'm going to read it. Sounds <laughs> familiar to me. Just, you know, make myself do it. This is how I read the book of virtues. <laughs> Guys, they had these, like, at our library when we were little, they had these summer reading challenges, and yeah. we always got the grand prizes. Because oh, my gosh. Because they were books that were actually, like, you know, at the reading level. that For children. Yeah. yeah so we, we just should demolished have been them. Like, oh, yeah, I'll read that in, like, the half an hour. grand prizes were not that good anyway. <laughs> no, it was, like, yeah, like a bookmark, like a laminated bookmark or something. <laughs> <laughs> like a voucher at a restaurant. <laughs> But it was, I really liked um, in the suburb of Chicago that we were living in at the time, mm -hmm. it was really cool the way that the whole town would get into it. You could like go to different stores yeah. and get the next you got, clue like, your treasure for, your, yeah, for your reading quest. That was that rad. Was yeah, that, that was, was really, really cool. cool. Um, Anyways, back to Grace. So yeah, struggled with that for a while. And there are also stories in there that not only like a child doesn't want to be reading, but a child just shouldn't be reading. Yeah, they're... Um, and there's sexually there also, and violently graphic stories. Yeah, and then there's some like Canterbury Tales esque stuff where there it's like very body mm. and body in a way the little kid has no idea. What's no, exactly. Yeah, you don't <laughs> you don't know what it means. Um, yeah, I, w I won't go into this in detail here, but if you just look at the even the Wikipedia page for One Thousand and One Nights, you can get more details on yeah. that if you're interested. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I struggled with that. I did not actually read the entire thing. Um, and because of the meta nature of even the original, you know, there, not that there is an original version, but the earlier versions of mm -hmm. 1001 Nights, they did a lot of things that were new for prose to be doing. Um, the story within a story within a story device um, that this happens. It's like original meta. It is. I know. It's super cool. Yeah, and it, it happens is. again and again. Um, yeah, and then just, like, the self-referential nature of, like, different moments and mm -hmm. how the story within a story within a story, like, relates back to the larger framework and the entire massive tome just is one big 
story. Um, and the, the fact that it has like elements of horror, but then also there are some stories that are like early sci-fi, um, and like the people in them go to different planets and things like that. And it's easy to understand how it's been so influential for so many, um, so many authors. Um, but when I did, yeah, when I found this, when I found the storyteller's daughter, I was like, oh my gosh, this is infinitely more pleasant to read. It like proceeds at a quick pace. It's got that um, like teen girl approach to romance that is uh, in the, at that time of your life. So perfect mm -hmm. where it's just like, you know, oh, we, we came to know each other's hearts after we kissed once and we yeah, had, like, spent exactly. a lot of time talking. And it's even funny. And then we embrace and we're in love. I remember, too, that there the way that it deals with editing out the more graphic sexual parts of it, where it literally just said once, it would be indecent of me here to recount how they enjoyed each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and also... Uh, Actually, I'm not going to, yeah, I won't go into this either. <laughs> Lately, I've been like, I need to make sure that this podcast actually stays clean. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will mention that an incredible podcast called Myths and Legends, if you like our show, you you will. You will like it a lot. If you're not already um, a fan of Myths and Legends. Actually yeah. ran a two-part um, piece about Shahrazad and about 1001 Nights. Um last week yeah so um, it's so, kind of a perfect yeah so if if you're listening to this today or in the future look for the you know mid-september 2017 myths and legends episodes that are um i think they're called arabian nights mm -hmm. um and he goes into more detail about all this but suffice it to say this book really tones down the upsetting components of the frame story of shaharazad's situation he, he kills no one and yeah he doesn't kill anyone in, in the actual original book. It's hard to even call the book. Cause it's yeah. Like tale. This, yeah. Collection story. of snippets from yeah. so many different. I just say original story. Places. Yeah. Um, he's already killed many women. They're running Shahar out Zad of women. Yeah. yeah. As we noted, um, he's doing this every night, not once a month. Yeah. And in this book, yeah, it's once a month. And then she's the first one to come forward. Yeah. So there isn't any bloodshed on Shariar's part, which makes him a much more sympathetic character because yes. he's struggling. Possible to redeem. Yeah, he's struggling nonstop with like, I made this proclamation, but, but I this don't is crazy, know if right? I can actually yeah. do it. Yeah. As opposed to someone who has already done it yeah. many times mm -hmm. over. And basically is just like, well, that was a good cliffhanger, so I won't murder you because I want to see the next episode yeah. of my story. Right, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, just pretty much purely selfish. Um, so I definitely enjoyed this. I, my little quote book from that time in my life, which I've mentioned in our Terry Pratchett episodes before, has a quote from this book in it, oh, which awesome. is, um, it's from the end when she said, when the, when the narrator says, having learned how to see uh, her own heart fully, she can now see all men's. And then her realizing, I'm like the water bearer's daughter, um, which is, Definitely my favorite part of the book is the telling of the water bear, mm -hmm. bear's daughter story. And I think it's the longest story by far. Too. It is. Yeah, because we actually get kind of shafted with the other stories. They don't really get told to us. <laughs> well, and I also find it really funny the way that the book totally sidesteps because they could have, the author could have 
drawn out the stories that Shahrazad tells mm-hmm. to Shahriyar to be more like, like, oh yeah, this took all night to tell this story or whatever, but it's literally like two Five pages, pages later story. and it's morning. <laughs> And yes. then it's so inconsistent because when they're sitting at the oasis and she tells the water bearer's daughter's story. It's really story, long. That is way longer than any of the other And they were only there stories. for like a couple hours. And they're only there for an afternoon. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a little ridiculous. I always, when I was young, that actually really bothered me because that's the kind of thing that right, when young, you're young Grace like, was like. What? Um, what? No. I don't <laughs> think so. You say it took all night. Make that story last all night. Yeah. Um, but I, in the end, was just like, oh, I guess, you know, she probably said more that's just not in the books and the book will be really long and boring well i did like too in this book though that the author has it says like afterwards they all went to go get some sleep because i've read retellings of it where they never mentioned them sleeping and and when i was little i was so confused so crazy wait what if they spend all night for a thousand nights telling (laughs) stories and then just do normal day stuff like First what? of all, Dinarzad would not develop as a human being. No, she, she would she be would like, die. She would, she's a child. She would she just die. If I were Shaharazad, I would beg for death. Yeah. I'd be like, I literally haven't stopped talking for three years. Please. I'm a zombie. Put me out of my misery. And also, there is no way that the story would stay compelling. <laughs> Guys, like, I don't know if you yourself. Or have been around people that get seriously sleep deprived. First, it's a form of torture. Very effective form of torture to keep people from sleeping. And second, you start to feel and act as if you're drunk, like completely drunk. You can't. And the the physical responses to sleep deprivation are similar to how your body is influenced Mm -hmm. by alcohol. It can be as dangerous very quickly to drive sleep deprived as to drive drunk. And that's after like a few days. So yeah, and I, I've, I've, um, I've Grace struggled in with extreme insomnia. sleep deprivation. Let's, yeah. uh, let's just leave it at that. And so Grace uh, knows for someone to tell me you need to, well, you know, obviously Shariar isn't saying tell a story or I'll kill you explicitly. This is Shahrazad's plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really sorry that like the pronunciations i'm not very good at and i keep saying the wrong things well and we found a lot of different um pronunciations and like my inclination as a white westerner who had like a year and a half of arabic in college is different from the ones that we've heard so like we apologize for if we're getting the pronunciations totally wrong but um it's it's funny we talk about sleep deprivation because I'm so tired right now too. Mm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you get you get weird. And if someone sat me down and was like, "Tell me a story, I'm gonna kill you," and <laughs> I hadn't slept even in like at that point a few days, I would be like, on <laughs> I was there was a bear. <laughs> His name was George. Magic bear. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, he could fly. <laughs> and it's like a Pixar movie where his family. <laughs> to love him. <laughs> they'd be like, the end. And they'd be like, oh, well, I'm going to kill you now. I'd be like, oh, but uh, did I tell but you about, about George's cousin? <laughs> we both went. They're out of like, there are other bears. <laughs> this is our imitation literally any other plot device. Drunk Melon and Grace storytelling time. <laughs> You're jealous that you couldn't be there. Well, it does also, in this fun way, rereading it, reminded me of um 
Sorry, this is such a nostalgia-heavy episode, by the way. But remind me of when we were kids and we would go on vacation. You and Patrick and I would share a room and we would each take turns telling a story. Yes. And sometimes the storytelling would basically become a competition for like how long <laughs> the story And goes. how inane and insane. Patrick's stories in particular were just oh my God. really abstract masterpiece no yeah they were they were stunning characters would appear and disappear at the drop of a hat like sometimes when i no, sometimes rick and morty like reminds yes! me of patrick's yes, stories of patrick's that he storytelling to and totally. rick and morty is like brilliant and unbelievably complex mm-hmm. um and like i I'm, stoner comedy meets like yeah brilliant science fiction yeah but um anyway yeah it it reminded me of that where we were basically you know we didn't want to go to sleep it was really exciting that we're all sharing a room and hanging out Um, I mean Madeline and I shared a room growing up so that wasn't that exciting yeah but uh, but it was like vacation felt more magical and mom and dad were less likely to come in and be like you have school in the morning go to sleep what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure this is shared by any listeners who shared a room with a sibling and liked their sibling right, at all. Yeah. But there were nights where we would <laughs> just go crazy. Yeah, <laughs> never sleep. <laughs> One night where we like shoving our stuffed animals up and down against the wall. Because we, we had a, a bunk, bunk bed. bed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then my... Stuffed animal leopard's tail ripped off, and I we, ripped it off because I was trying to pull the like, stuffed animal. We weren't down. upset; we were laughing. So we couldn't stop laughing. We were that we broken. Ourselves, and our mom came into the room, and I'm sure, it, like, just in her mind, and I'm she'd work like, in the morning too. Yeah. Why did I have children? Like, <laughs> why did I sign up for? What are you like, doing? It's 3 a.m. And like my children are basically like two little drunk people <laughs> who are screaming with laughter and rolling around in their beds. We couldn't even be properly yelled at because we were too. No, yeah, we, we were too excited, delighted. Yeah. yeah, too delighted by my leopard's <gasps> tail falling off. <laughs> okay, all of this is to say that I think one reason I love this book so much is that it captures that feeling of the excitement behind storytelling and I love that the magic in this book is the power of the the word like of the story Mm -hmm. Um, and the moments when a character does do anything supernatural I think are all Shahrazad and her mother Um, I don't yeah that's true I don't think anyone else who isn't in one of the stories that she tells right like but a, in a like or... the framing the quote-unquote real story in this book um you're right it's all Shahrazad and Maju her mother who have the magical abilities yeah so other cool messages in the book great for young readers and adult readers alike um appearance that appearances are unimportant and that you should do your best to ascertain the true nature of any person before you judge them um this is one reason why the water bearer's daughter story is so good um i in my summary i didn't describe the plots of any of the stories shaharazad tells because first of all the one that runs through the whole book and is supposed to be the amazing one that keeps shahriar from killing her we we don't hear almost any of and it's a very it's a rather straightforward story (laughs) Basically, it's just like some wacky mishaps in which a father and a son are rude to each other. And in the very beginning, he meets his son. Wait, and then the 
dad picks up a rock to kill his son. And then the rock says like, oh, let's go. And just flies off into the air and carries him away. That visual. Again, this is St. Patrick level story. And then the rock is super sassy. Yeah, the rock like, is a jerk. You could tell the moments where Cameron Jokey was like, I'm going to inject a little humor here because yeah. things are getting a little out of control. Uh-huh. Like a little too serious with all this potential murdering in the morning and yeah. what have you. Um, yeah, so the, the rock was really funny. Um, but the in the Water Bear's Daughter, in that story, um, a uh, the Water Bear's Daughter, titular <laughs> character, as you might expect, um, falls in love with a fisherman who is described as like the ugliest person in the world, um, but has a true heart and is a really nice dude who will row her out to the middle of the ocean so that she can dive for treasure. All and then day, tell her when day. it's the wrong treasure. And then too. tell her when it's wrong. Yeah. Um, and like she falls in love with when she falls in love with him, she. Uh, it doesn't even matter what he looks like because she only she sees see him as his beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. And I like that. And yeah. I like that. Approach that he doesn't too. turn back into a handsome place. Like, obviously, this is a popular message. Like, don't judge him back. But usually um, at the end of the message, then they shed their ug They cover. become hot. Yeah. I know. Exactly. So that's, like, um, really counterintuitive and defeats the whole purpose. And this message of, like, when you love someone, you don't even really know what they look like yeah, is something because that they just are beautiful to you is something that I think is so true to life. And mm-hmm. like, that's been my experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Once you start loving someone, you can't even tell anymore. You're just like, Oh, well, all I know is that you are beautiful to me. There's a really good magnetic fields lyric about this from, um, I think it's from asleep and dreaming. Uh, Anyway, that's a different podcast. <laughs> Us just talking about magnetic fields. Magnetic like fields is amazing, um, though. So. so, yes. Down with that. Um, magnetic fields. <laughs> no, with not judging people and then loving their inner beauty. Whatever. Um, and Shahrazad is blind for most of the book. Yeah. So that um, the concept of seeing versus blindness mm-hmm. and then like appearances versus true in yeah. herself. Um, that's definitely woven throughout her mother's blind. Also, it's like a, it's like a family storyteller um, tradition magic to be thing. blind. Yeah. Yes. It's a tradition um, to be blind. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean that in a, yeah, in a disrespectful No, way. but but rather in this book it is like the way it's written about yeah, in the book it is like when her funny. mother like, dies Shahrazad becomes yeah, once blind. you come of age and you become a storyteller you lose your sight yeah it's yeah. it has something to do with these people's like magic abilities it's mm-hmm. all tied up in that yeah and i also love the story of the goldfish which is the only other story we get in, in its entirety oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um because it's told to Shahrazad by her mother when she's um, small when she's young uh and it's got everything. It's got murder. It's got love. It's got familial betrayal. Fish. It's got fish. <laughs> it's got fish. <laughs> um, and uh, that is really the only part of the book where the setting is described in, honestly, in like any way. But then also in a way that makes it feel like a delightful place to be. Other than Shariar's room, when Shariar's in the palace, like they talk about, they walk through gold rooms and silver rooms, like a little bit. I don't know. I think there's so much material to cover here, Um, and like really, it does 
The setting is left for you to fill in in a way that's not displeasing. No, and it makes sense because it's all, I don't know, it's all like a big parable within a parable within a parable. So like it's, it's all about the little kernel of truth within the story. It's very ephemeral. Um, Yes, definitely. And like Kamadoki does a good job with that. Something interesting is that she wrote most of the Once Upon a Time books, which oh, I didn't realize until I, I looked at the list authors. of them. Yeah. Um, the, my other favorite is written by a different author, which is Snow, okay. which is a retelling of Snow White that takes place in modern day New York. It's super fun. Maybe we'll, we might do that in, in the future. Okay, I definitely haven't actually read that one. <laughs> um, that That is like very comedic and like fast paced and sassy. Okay. Just like me. And New York. And, and New York. So, so I actually hey. resent books where New York is a character, no but I also enjoy the relationship with New York. So, some of my dearest friends live there, but New York itself kind of just peeves me off. Um, as the Ice King would say, "Guys, are y'all really peeving me off?" <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I think that covers the positive messages. Let's talk about some problems that this book has. Um, I guess to lead this discussion, I want to ask, do you think this book is has a feminist approach? It's really, I think it wants to, but doesn't I don't succeed. think it quite gets there. It doesn't treat women, um, well, the same way it treats men, for one thing. And it think, um, it acts like it's like a really great thing that, certain that like makes them better people that men in this book um treat women well instead of that just being like oh well yeah that's how you should you should treat all people like human beings and give them the respect they deserve and not be lauded for not right the men get um crappy inordinate amounts of praise for treating women like human beings right so that's why i think it fails from a feminist perspective and then also the story itself is a relationship relationship the relationship is not good it's like pretty stockholmy the i don't know the way that shahrazad changes and i'm not saying that that's like, it's definitely better than the original story, but I think there could have been. Well, what really, what really, the moments that really bothered me were when a man would be like, oh, turns out women are wiser than men. And then everyone's just like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. not actually. Like at the very end where I was um, like, finding some kind of equal ground where you respect one another equally. It's the yeah. same old concept of like. Boys versus girls, yeah, which and is like distinctly anti-feminist. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like anti-equality. Just, it's just stereotypes yeah. that have been perpetuated for so long since the beginning of time, and the very concept of first wives murder, trying to murder their husbands, which shows up again and again. Yeah, um, like the women, they're unfeeling monsters. It's it's it is played to as like the old original sin even the snake yeah like all women are just waiting the men to against other destroy women the men. Um, yeah yeah so obviously this is set a very long time ago and it's like one of the oldest collections of stories in human history um that it's based on so like we're not saying that it needs to be necessarily um, we understand that the source material is not progressive right the source material but then i think that you could be more progressive isn't quite yeah in its treatment um and just i wish there was more um 
I don't know. We do get a lot of Shariar's inner monologue um, when he's, and we see that his heart is hardened. Like he has a literal curse upon him. That's that's the bigger magic mm-hmm. that runs throughout yeah, the so book. So I guess there is another. So magic there is someone else who makes yeah. magic, but it's just because she's really mean. Yeah, it's just like so evil that her curse. Sticks. And like what a way to curse someone to like stare at them and be like, you you might destroy me you might end my life but like you will always remember me and how I hated you and betrayed you and like your heart will be hardened and then just kill yourself in front of them that as as like yeah I almost kind of see that as like that's what gives the curse power is that you put your life into it I know yeah I'm ending my life but I'm putting all that energy into ruining yours yeah um, yeah, the, so that's the that's, magics are powerful. The curse is referred to a lot, and his hardened heart as the reason why he is so um, guarded against Shahrazad. Um, mm-hmm. But there's also just like a lot of frustration the power with dynamic a lack of communication. So up. Um, they say again and again, like, oh, well, they're they were hiding the true meaning in their hearts from one another, so like they didn't know they love each other. But for Shahriar to again and again, he says things like, oh okay, well, I'm, I'm starting to, like, yeah, feel something for her. And then she says, like, one thing that he doesn't like, and he's like, oh, she's horrible. Like, this will be the last night. And it's just like, no, that's not how you can treat another human being. Um, and I wish that there were more, like, damnation for him in some kind I of think that, way. Yeah. He gets a happy ending. Yeah. And he gets to create this declamation that he's going to, like, murder all the eligible young ladies in the kingdom, basically. I mean, he's essentially um, a tyrant. Yeah. And then the people have to be under a worse tyrant to see the that they miss so much. So many of them uh, die his because rule. Yeah. of him. Yeah, I know. And I think Dinarzad, um, Shaharazad's younger sister, has the right idea here where she says something like, yeah, no, she Shahriyar. is, I think, the most um, in touch with yes. like how mm-hmm. she's like, no, I hate the healthiest you. person in the book. I cannot yeah. feel affection for you when you literally hold my sister's life in your hands, like dangling it around. No, and like I hated it's that thing. moment when she has her outburst and Shaharazad is like, Dinarzad. What are you doing? Yeah. And it's just like, are you kidding me? She has to every night watch you try to spin a tail that will mm. keep you alive. Because there's so little communication that and she, Shahrazad and she, doesn't know that Shahriar isn't and actually going to kill is her. And is also in that moment angry that Shahrazad is in love with yeah. Shahriar mm-hmm. because she shouldn't be. Yeah, she's like, this is messed up. Yeah. So, okay, all of this is to say is here's what I think the book did that could have been different. I think Cameron Doki, you should have framed the relationship differently. I, I I understand that like they they share something and they help one another move toward a healthier place. And like he has a curse upon him. It's not all him, but it's kind of that feeling of like, yeah, he okay, this dude did this one terrible thing, but he's a good guy. He's a nice guy. And it's just like, well, the terrible thing is kind of so terrible that you should not it's a classic tenet of an abusive abusive relationship relationship. yeah it is um i just wish that it hadn't been such a um the romance had been presented in such a noble way like that their hearts are yearning for one another and it's so pure because they are not on equal footing here the power is so lopsided that that's what makes it so uncomfortable and shariar um she's literally a captive he also like wants her bod from the first moment that he is physically close to her the first night that they spend together i don't don't think we ever really hear about whether or not 
Shahrazade isn't a Shahrazade. She says at the end that she wanted to kiss him that first night too, but yeah, um, they do make that clear. But but we don't hear from her on that like until yeah. the end of the book. So yeah. it's kind of similar to Cornflower and Redwall. Yeah, um, where mm-hmm. at the end it's like, up, oh, you will be married now, yeah. and the lady is just like. Okay, like, that's my life. Guess it could be worse. Okay. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, could could definitely, definitely be worse. Could be worse. So we did. We've talked about this um, outside of this discussion, and I wanted to touch on it here about how this isn't exactly the kind of traditional um, fantasy that we've done so far. Mm-hmm. But it's also from a very different. Um, cultural background from the mm-hmm. fantasy yeah. that we've done so far. And so that I'm doesn't make it any less fantasy. Exactly. Yeah. And Which yes. was like my own uh, um, mental block that I had to yeah. struggle with. Just because it doesn't have dragons worried. and a, you know... Well, yeah, and I think I think you and I have a, a nuanced understanding of fantasy at this point, I hope. <laughs> 18 episodes in. <laughs> Certainly hope um, so. But the... I like, you know how I'm fascinated by like different representations of magic and mm-hmm. what and, uh, different authors, um, different conceptualizations of what dragons may be. Exactly. <laughs> We're, and the next, okay, the next book we do is explicitly going to have a dragon in it. I've, I've picked it and I've decided. So we're it. back on track. Um, not that we're off track. That's the whole message <laughs> we're trying to say. Struggling. It's cool to see different fantasy portrayals. Um, I really like how this one is more folkloric. It has, you know, the the curse of the stone heart and mm-hmm. like tears turning blood into clear water. Um, and Something uh, being able to see. Yeah, their blindness blind coming. Because and their going. heart and willpower is so open. Yeah, these very like um, natural magics that are very tied to like your physical body um and i guess there isn't explicitly any so i I said earlier that like the magic comes from the story but that's kind of wrong because the stories themselves are just strong enough that they make you realize the you know faults within yourself and like the areas where you have been uh not literally blind but theoretically blind um mm-hmm. and the thing is everyone thinks that shahrazad is a sorceress because her story is keeping shariar from killing her um but it's actually just great storytelling uh and the way that she accesses those stories is magic but she is that's a, true. a really wonderful yeah. storyteller no, that is true we haven't talked about this at all but storytellers have a chest with a piece of cloth in it and whoever wants to have their story told reaches in the chest to find the cloth and mm-hmm. what they pull out is then felt by the storyteller and the, the threads within the cloth weave and the, the tale. It, yeah. And then, you know, that's part of her whole destiny thing too, is she's not always only destined to save Shahrayar, but through that to save the kingdom because otherwise right everything would just be totally screwed. So that's like really important. And that in, in and of itself is like a really cool thing that Shahrazad accomplishes, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Let, let us know what you think about yeah, this think? story really magic. Interesting. Um, I think I want to try to seek out some other, some other works that have been explicitly influenced by 1001 Nights. Um, oh, yeah. I know, I mean, a lot of authors I've already, like, read pretty extensively were influenced by it. H.P. Lovecraft is actually a huge one. Um, Which is interesting. Yeah. 
given how he felt about people who weren't white. Ethnicities. (laughs) Yep, he is a puzzle. Yeah. (laughs) All we'll say about that. Um, Yeah, so should we uh, have a snack? (laughs) A literary snack? I'm going to keep coming up with dumb things to say about pretend food every episode. Grace's favorite, pretend food. Let's eat. <laughs> I really want like a shock jock morning radio show and I have a button I can push that's just like, mm, let's eat. Ow, 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 ow. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a snake. Oh, I, yeah, it was awful. Like a snake eating soup. Asmodeus. Asmodeus. Pretend food. There is not a lot of food. It's one of those details that falls by the wayside, like setting um, or you know, just the general descriptions that there isn't a ton of room for because there's so much story to tell. People drink water a few times. Water from the deepest well. That sounded good. Yeah. Right. Like really cold, cold and fresh. And just like also spring. probably full of um, minerals that might not necessarily have the best taste. You know, when I think of like water from the deepest well, my first thought is, yeah, cold and refreshing. And my second thought is like, and how much um, metal is in that water? Heavy metals. <laughs> <laughs> and having, um, you know, if you've ever like gone on a camping trip and used the iodine tablets to drink like river or lake water, yeah. you, you have a feeling for what I'm imagining. Right, because right it's interesting to think about water that it that could be toxic, not because of human poisoning, like mm-hmm. pollution, but rather just because of where it comes from. Like there could be some bad completely natural but bad <laughs> natural and bad <laughs> yeah like that is the thing too i know and in in our current culture um, we have such an association with natural, natural as being healthy good. but you know it's the same way that chemicals mean bad right. even though chemicals literally make up Chem- our bodies chemicals and we would and die natural <laughs> have quite a large middle portion in the venn diagram yeah, exactly um anyways yeah <laughs> that's a different podcast <laughs> <Pretend> too food <laughs> Let's keep it light. Um, and then there is this scene when like all the greatest delicacies are laid out on their wedding night. Um, but then they don't really go into detail no, on all. anything. They just say that the delicacies are great. But which is also interesting. And Shariar says, choose anything. And then he's like, I'm an idiot. She's blind. Is is that part of why these details get left out? Because they're not ones that Shaharazad. Yeah, that's a, a good point. Cares about. But she doesn't in see that them. at that point in the book we get equal parts perspective from Shariar and Shahrazad. Yeah but Shahriar also doesn't seem like a kind of person who eats his feelings <laughs> unlike me so uh, like I just don't get, a, get like a little glutton in there I, yeah like someone who uses food when they're upset rather than Shahriar seems to not care about food yeah. when they're upset yeah so Cameron Doki please more details next time thank you yeah the, at the, they say that they're that they eat for a while. It says like they have dinner together. I'm just like, like anything, like a, so a, a date. Fill like, fill it in with yourself, honey. you guys. Like imagine that it's the most fantastical, sumptuous, red wallian feast oh, that you would gosh. like to imagine. Yeah, and then the only other like real talk of pretend food is at the end of the book when the kingdom is starving um, and Shariar's brother who's planning a counterattack is smuggling food into them yeah. but yeah there's not really any Again, description you'll just there have either. to imagine yourself that it's made of um, not milk cheeses yeah 
Oh, Jesus. Oh, gosh. I, uh, sometimes I'm seized by a powerful desire to try to recreate, recreate what I think a red wall dish or even a feast would be like. So we now we're do just that talking about red wall. That's what we should do for Thanksgiving. We should force <gasps> our whole family to have a feast. red wall feast. I'll be into that. Josiah will just be like, as we tell Josiah, um, there's not going to be any meat. And he's like, I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> we're going to have fish instead of turkey. Okay, going to Minnesota. <laughs> All right. Pretend food, a sad check, but a check nonetheless. We spent most of this episode talking about ladies and their portrayal in this book. Um, I think part of that is because, uh, like I said, it, it's based on it's really old source material and it is very complicated. Um, but we'll, we'll keep badass lady meter short and sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, Shahrazad obviously is the protagonist of the story. Um, Storyteller's daughter. And she, yes, the titular character, eponymous Shahrazad. Titular. Um, and she is very impressive. She vows from a young age to depend on no one and live, be able to live a complete life of solitude if need be so that she is, um, yeah, never beholden to anyone. She's only responsible for her own happiness, which is actually a message I really appreciate because I think that it's something that more people should um, spend more time thinking about. I think our culture really emphasizes finding a partner and finding a mate and finding friends. And like, it is important to have social connections, but some people don't want social connections and some people don't understand how to be happy alone, um, which I think is the source of a lot of grief for for a lot of people. So finding your inner power and mm-hmm. happiness is very important. Yeah. So I really appreciated that. Um, and she stays strong throughout the book. Um, even as her life is under constant threat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but she is so willing to forgive Shariar to the point where she's never even angry at him. Like she never even calls him out for, you know, she says, at she the beginning, sasses him, she but sasses she never. Him, but she's never uh, calls honest, him like, out. How could you? Yeah. How could you do this to right. me and make me live this mm-hmm. way under yeah. this with this sword? She's, I mean, over she has a, an absurd amount of empathy. You know, sometimes where it's not warranted. I think like too much empathy. Yeah, yeah, because she, she's yeah never mad at anyone and mm-hmm. always understanding and always yeah. loving and always caring. Yeah, she's for them. kind of a goddess in that regard. Yeah, she kind of like of empathy. She like serves those around her. So yeah. I don't know. It's hard. I, goddess. I don't think she is the baddest lady of the book. As we've said, I think it's Dinarzad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, am I pronouncing her name? Gosh, Dinarzad, yeah. Because she is the only one who's willing to say, this is bad, you are bad. Mm-hmm. We don't need to be like show you gratitude and be kind to you because mm-hmm. you're literally threatening Shahrazad's life nonstop. Um, and she's a child mm-hmm. and, and she is the one who kicks off the whole scheme too. Mm-hmm. And she, yeah. um, she's a very important part in it. She is a cool kid. Yeah. One I, cool kid as the sticker on my little mermaid wallet that I had as a child said, <laughs> I have, I have ratings for both of them on the scale. Cool. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just talked for a long time. Do you have anything you'd like to add about either of them? Well, my and then your ratings, please. All that I want to say is my ratings. Okay, <laughs> go right ahead. So Shahrazad is on the scale. The ability to take any piece of cloth, no matter how old or how plain, and reading the magical 
Braille that only she can read to come up with an amazing, evocative, and parable-like story and tell it, and only she can do that. That's where she's on the scale. Okay, so her rating is her ability? <laughs> yeah, grammatically, that was not great. But no, I mean, I, I like it. I'm just trying to understand. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, okay. So that's her. And then Dinarzad on the scale is the ability to truly value what that is worth and to know what her loved ones should be valued as. Wow. <laughs> we're, uh, maybe we're getting a little too uh, empathetic now. <laughs> love, love, love. <laughs> uh, my rating is for Dinarzad, and it is the shiniest goldfish in the pond. Grace, this was so much shorter and sweeter. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we are also all over the scale yeah. of uh, <laughs> what we're doing with this. All right. Well, I think we have fumbled our way through <laughs> the entirety of the book in this way. Yeah, exactly. A literary fumble. <laughs> fumble. Twice a month. That's why you come to Dragon Babies. <laughs> That's what you look out for. This is your sports. So uh, please let us know if you've read any of the Once Upon a Time books. I'm super curious about that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really know how popular they were. I couldn't find a lot of information about this book on the internet. So. Oh, and also, if you have a favorite iteration mm -hmm. of Shahrazad's story that's not this, then yeah. let us know about that, too. Yeah, please do. I'm intrigued, and I'd like to try out some other retellings. Um, yeah. I also really want to read the actual Aladdin story. Um, I'm really curious about the Disneyfication. Um, I've definitely read it before, but mm -hmm. yeah, interested in revisiting that. Yeah. So let us know. Um, we are on Twitter at Dragon Babies Pod, Instagram at Dragon Babies Podcast, our website at dragonbabiespodcast.com, our email address at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com. And we are at our computers waiting to hear from you. Sometimes. We do other stuff, too. I, I don't think anyone's laboring under the delusion that this is our full-time job. <laughs> or a job at all. But if you want to send us money, does not make like, us yeah, money. that's cool. <laughs> Maybe someday. Yeah. Um, so that's all I've got. Uh, Madeline, any, any last words? She's Grace. And I'm Madeline. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>